0: Carly, recovered alcoholic. This is episode 37 of North Star Big Book. We are on Two Wives on page 109. We're starting at the paragraph that says the number, that says two, which is we're talking about the different kinds of husbands that might be out there in terms of kinds of drinkers and where they're at in their stage of drinking. (coughs) It says your husband is showing lack of control. So above this paragraph, I wrote number two crossed the line. Because remember, husband number one is not an alcoholic. They don't have a physical or a mental obsession. Husband number two cross the line, has physical and mental. So this person has a physical allergy. They have a mental obsession. It says, he is unable to stay on the water wagon, I underlined, even when he wants to. I wrote next to that, lost power of choice. So if we want to stop drinking and we can't stay stopped, that's because we've lost the power of choice. That's the mental obsession. He often gets entirely out of hand when drinking. He admits that it, he admits this is true, but is positive that he will do better. He has begun to try with or without your cooperation. I underlined various means of moderating or staying dry. Maybe he is beginning to lose his friends. His business may suffer somewhat. He is worried at times and is becoming aware that I underlined he cannot drink like other people. And above that, I wrote physical. The reason why we can't drink like other people is because they don't have the physical allergy. There's not something in their body that sets off a switch that says all bets are off. Give me more. He sometimes drinks in the morning and through the day also, to hold his nervousness in check. He is remorseful after serious drinking bouts and tells you he wants to stop. But when he gets over the spree, I underlined, he begins to think once more how he can drink moderately next time. I double underlined think, and I wrote on the side, believes the lie, and then I wrote mental obsession. Believes the lie, mental obsession. We think this person is in danger. So that's the first 100 men and women. They're saying this person's got a physical allergy, mental obsession. They keep trying to control it. They're not able to control it. These are the earmarks of, I underlined, a real alcoholic. Perhaps he can still tend to business fairly well. He has by no means ruined everything. As we say among ourselves, he wants to want to stop. And then we're going to talk about husband number three. <clears throat> this husband has, I underlined, gone much further than husband number two. Though once like number two, he becomes worse. Um, I knew I was definitely past number two when I was reading this because I'm always trying to identify to to keep my alcoholism fresh in terms of remembering. And um, on this paragraph, I put a little check mark next to every single identifying mark I had for husband number three. His friends have slipped away, so I checked right there. His home was in Iraq, I checked right there. I checked I could not hold a position. Maybe the doctor has been called in, I checked that. And the weary rounds of sanitariums and hospitals has begun, I checked that. He admits he cannot drink, I checked that, like other people, but does not see why, I checked that. I checked he clings to the notion that he will yet find a way to do so. I underlined he may have come to the point where, I underlined in red, he desperately wants to stop but cannot. Above, he may have come to the point, I wrote lost the power of choice. And above, he desperately wants to stop, I wrote mental obsession. His case presents additional questions which we shall try to answer for you. I underlined, you can be quite hopeful of a situation like this. What I love about this part of the book is that they're telling us the more miserable and lost and desperate your case, the easier it's gonna be to get sober. And then here's husband number four. And I also checked some of these. Um, On the top of the page, I wrote because I related to those, and you do not need to write this if it doesn't relate to you, but I wrote me at 19 and I wrote dead or sober because at 19, which is when, when I got here, my options were dead or sober. They weren't, there was no part of me that thought I was too young. I've never thought that about myself because I knew how far I had gone. Four, you may have a husband of whom I underlined you completely despair, and I put a check mark there because I completely despaired myself. He has been placed in one institution after another. I checked that because I went from doctor to doctor to doctor. He is violent, and I checked that, or appears definitely insane when drunk, and I checked that. Sometimes he drinks on the way home from the hospital. I did not check that yet. Perhaps he has had delirium tremens, and I wrote next to that not yet. Um, and my mom says, yet means you're entitled to, which means it's down the road for me. Doctors may shake their head, which has happened, I check that, and advise you to have advise you to have him committed, committed I check that. Maybe you have already been obliged to put him away. This picture may not be as dark as it looks. Many of our husbands were just as far gone, I underline, yet they got well. So the book tells me over and over, the more miserable, the more desperate, the more done you are, the easier it's going to be. Let's now go back to husband number one. Oddly enough, he is often difficult to deal with. The reason why someone who is not far gone is difficult to deal with is because their head tells them the lie that they still have control because they aren't a mess in all areas. It says, he enjoys drinking, it stirs his imagination, his friends feel closer over a highball, perhaps you enjoy drinking with him yourself when he doesn't go too far. You have passed happy evenings together, chatting and drinking before your fire. Perhaps you both like parties which would be dull without liquor. We have enjoyed such evenings ourselves, we had a good time. I underlined, we all know about liquor as a social lubricant, because that's what it is. The problem is, when I put alcohol in my body and I go, oh, my next thought is, Uh, That feels so good. I need 75 more. It says some but not all of us think it has its advantages when reasonably used. The first principle of success is that you should never be angry. Even though your husband becomes unbearable and you have to leave him temporarily, you should if you can go without rancor. I underline patience and good temper are most necessary. I bracketed the next paragraph, and it tells us, our next thought is that you should never tell him what he must do about his drinking. This is a great um, guideline for sponsoring. I underline, if he gets the idea that you are a nag or a killjoy, your chance of accomplishing anything useful may be zero. So I can't want someone's sobriety more for them than they want it for themselves. He will use it as an excuse to drink more. He will tell you he is misunderstood. This may lead to lonely evenings for you. He may seek someone else to console him, not always another man. Be determined that your husband's drinking is not going to spoil your relations with your children or your friends. They need your companionship and your help. I underlined, it is possible to have a full and useful life, though your husband continues to drink. And I wrote next to that, Al-Anon. So the way that the first 100 women are sharing that huge statement, that I can have and you can have a full and useful life, whether our husband or wife or partner or parent or child, continues a drink the only way that that's capable is by getting our own program of spiritual you know work in action and i underline the rest of the paragraph we know women who are unafraid even happy under these conditions do not set your heart on reforming your husband you may be unable to do so no matter how hard you try Again, this is great stuff for Al-Anon. It's also great stuff for sponsoring. We know these suggestions are somewhat sometimes difficult to follow, but you will save many a heartbreak if you can succeed in observing them. I underlined, your husband may come to appreciate your reasonableness and patience. So again, that's how I want to be, reasonable and patient. This may lay the groundwork for a friendly talk about his alcoholic problem. Try to have him bring up the subject himself. Be sure you are not critical during such a discussion. Attempt instead to put yourself in his place. That attempt to put yourself in his place has been probably my number one tool for being in a successful relationship today, which is and I do it for all areas of my life, not just my intimate relationship, but it helps a lot there, is I ask my, when I don't know what to do about a situation, I ask myself, how would I want them to handle this if, if it was the other way around? If it was coming at me, how would I want it to come at me? And if I was the one with the alcoholic problem, how would I want to be approached? I underline the next sentence, and it's a great tool that I can use. Let him see that you want to be helpful rather than critical. Again, that's great for sponsorship. When the discussion does arise, you must suggest he read this book or at least a chapter in alcoholism. Tell him you have been worried, though perhaps needlessly. You think he ought to know the subject better, as everyone should have a clear understanding of the risk he takes if he drinks too much. Show him you have confidence in his power to stop or moderate. Say you do not want to be a wet blanket, that you only want him to take care of his health. Thus, you may succeed in interesting him in alcoholism. And basically, the idea here is that we're putting it, the ball in their court. He probably, has had sev- he probably has several alcoholics among his own acquaintances. You might suggest that you both take an interest in them. Drinkers like to help other drinkers. Your husband may be willing to talk to one of them. If this kind of approach does not catch your husband's interest, it may be best to drop the subject, but after a friendly talk, your husband will usually revive the topic himself. This may take patient waiting, but it will be worth it. I underline the next sentence. Meanwhile, you might try to help the wife of another serious drinker so that's always going to be the solution is go help somebody if you act upon these principles your husband may stop or moderate suppose however that your husband fits the description of number two the same principles which apply to husband number one should be practiced but after his next binge they already know he's going to binge again I ask him if he would really like to get over drinking for good do not ask that he do it for you or for anyone else i underlined just what he like to The chances are that he would. Show him your copy of this book and tell him what you have found out about alcoholism. Show him that as alcoholics, the writers of the book understand. Tell him some of the interesting stories you have read. If you think he'll be shy of a spiritual remedy, ask him to look at the chapter on alcoholism. Then perhaps he'll be interested enough to continue. I wrote on the top of 113, Once gravity and doom of problem is vaguely understood, Once gravity and doom of problem is vaguely understood an alcoholic is more likely to seek a solution an alcoholic is more likely to seek a solution so I'll read that one more time once gravity and doom of problem is vaguely understood an alcoholic is more likely to seek a solution so it's my responsibility to explain it to the alcoholic when they're miserable it says, if he's enthusiastic, your cooperation will mean a great deal. I underline the next two sentences. If he is lukewarm or thinks he is not an alcoholic, we suggest you leave him alone. Avoid urging him to follow our program. I wrote on the side, don't push, no struggle. Don't push, no struggle. So if, the, if your sponsee or your husband or your wife or your best friend or your girlfriend or boyfriend or kid doesn't think they're an alcoholic or is just lukewarm about the program, leave them alone. And the book tells me that let alcoholism beat the reasonableness out of them. Or sorry, beat them into a state of reasonableness. I underline, the seed has been planted in his mind. And that is my truth too. The seed was planted in my mind when I was 13 and 14 and 15. And I would go to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and Alanon and Alatine, volleyball games and picnics. And I saw AA in action and I knew that it was a place I could go. Um, it just wasn't a place I was ready to go. It says he knows that thousands of men, much like himself, have I underlined and circled the word recovered. So there's the promise. I don't have to be a recovering alcoholic for the rest of my life. I no longer have the symptoms of alcoholism. I no longer have a body that can't process alcohol. I no longer have a body that physically needs alcohol, and I no longer have a mind that tells me it do- it needs alcohol. I'm not able to process alcohol. I have an allergy, so I don't drink. My mind and my body are no longer requiring it. But don't remind him of this after he has been drinking, for he may be angry. Sooner or later, you are likely to find him reading the book once more. I underline the next two sentences. Wait until repeated stumbling convinces him he must act, or the next sentence. For the more you hurry him, the longer his recovery may be delayed. And I put a star next to that. So they're telling me again, in very clear instructions, let them fall. Here's husband number three. If you have a husband number three, you may be in luck. Being certain he wants to stop, you can go to him with this volume as joyfully as though you had struck oil. He may not share your enthusiasm, but he is practically sure to read the book and he may go for the program at once. If he does not, you will probably not have long to wait. Something that I have written down here that you will only have to write if you can relate. I wrote, I struggled with not wanting to stop. I knew that something was so wrong with me, but I didn't want my problem to be what I was putting in my body. I wanted my problem to be... That I needed a different medication or a different doctor or that it was your problem or your problem and that you needed to change. I didn't want the change to need to be that I couldn't drink or get high anymore. I didn't want that to be the problem. And so even though I knew it was killing me, I didn't want it to be that. <clears throat> I underline the next, two sen- next three sentences. Again, you should not crowd him. Let him decide for himself. Cheerfully see him through more sprees. And oh my goodness, I can't even imagine how hard that must be for the family who's so emotionally connected and terrified because the stakes are so high. Talk about his condition in this book only when he raises the issue. I underlined, in some cases, it may be better to let someone outside the family present the book. They can urge action without arousing hostility because there's not an emotional connection. If your husband is otherwise a normal individual, your chances are good at this stage. You would suppose that men in the fourth classification would be quite hopeless, but that is not so. Many of Alcoholics Anonymous were were like that. Everybody had given them up. Defeat seemed certain, yet often such men had, had underlined spectacular and powerful recoveries. I say that sometimes about people that we see um, going in and out that are struggling super hard, and I tell them, you're gonna either have an amazing story, and you're gonna be able to help so many people, or you're gonna die an alcoholic death. There's no other option for an alcoholic like you. Um, And I only say that after they've identified themselves as an alcoholic multiple times and worked the book with me and stopped doing the work. On 114, it says, there are exceptions. Some men have been so impaired by alcohol that they cannot stop. I underline the next sentence. Sometimes these are there are cases which alcoholism is complicated by other disorders. So we're talking about psychological or emotional disorders that need attention. A good doctor or psychiatrist can tell you whether these complications are serious. In any event, try to have your husband read this book. His reaction may be one of enthusiasm. If he's already committed to an institution but can convince you and your doctor that he means business, Give him a chance to try our method, unless the doctor thinks his mental condition too abnormal or dangerous. We make this recommendation with some confidence. For years, we've been working with alcoholics committed to institutions. I underline the next sentence. Since this book was first published, AA has released thousands of alcoholics from asylums and hospitals of every kind. The majority have never returned. I underline the power of God goes deep. I can't even imagine. In the 1930s and before... Before Alcoholics Anonymous was available, if you were arrested for alcohol, public intoxication, or whatever you did with alcohol, you were thrown into an institution for alcoholic insanity. And that means I would have been in an institution. And I do not do well locked up under someone else's rules. And I can't imagine one day someone coming and saying, hey, you, come here, we want to try something with you. And you took me off all the medications they were shoving in my mouth, and I could leave and become free. It says, you may have the reverse situation in your hands. Perhaps you have a husband who is at large but who should be committed. Some men cannot or will not get over alcoholism. And that's a truth right there. When they become too dangerous, we think the kind thing is to lock them up. But of course, a good doctor should always be consulted. The wives and children of such men suffer horribly, but not more than the men themselves. But sometimes you must start life anew. We know women who have done it. I underlined, if such women adopt a spiritual way of life, their road will be smoother. So they're telling me again, this is the people who have experience with Al-Anon. They're telling me, you can also have a good life, even if the person you love doesn't stop. If your husband is a drinker, you probably worry over what other people are thinking and you hate to meet your friends. You draw more and more into yourself and you think, Everyone is talking about conditions at your home. You avoid the subject of drinking even with your own parents. You do not know what to tell the children. When your husband is bad, you become a trembling reckless, wishing the telephone had never been invented. We find that most of this embarrassment is unnecessary. While you need not discuss your husband at length, you can quietly let your friends know the nature of his illness. But you must be on guard not to embarrass or harm your husband. I underline the next paragraph and I wrote in the side, physical craving and mental obsession. When you have carefully explained to such people that he is a sick person, that's what that means, that we have a physical craving and mental obsession, you will have created a new atmosphere. Barriers which have sprung up between you and your friends will disappear with the growth of sympathetic understanding. You will no longer be self-conscious or feel that you must apologize as though your husband were a weak character. He may be anything but that. Your new courage, good nature, and lack of self-consciousness will do wonders for you socially. The next paragraph um, is about dealing with the children and my sponsor told me and I wrote this on the side, children need proper loving guidance to remember that above anything else. Children need proper loving guidance. They don't need to be lied to. They don't need to be told something to protect them. It says the same principle applies in dealing with the children. Unless they actually need protection from their father, it is best to take sides, not to take sides in any argument he has with them while drinking. I underlined, use your energies to promote a better understanding all around. And that's why my sponsor said... No, that's not true. Children need a proper loving guidance. So I just wanted to make that clear. We don't let our children have to fight with their alcoholic, active alcoholic parent. Then that terrible tension which grips the home of every problem drinker will be lessened. Frequently you have felt obliged to tell your husband's employer and his friends that he was sick, when as a matter of fact he was tight. Avoid answering these inquiries as much as you can. Whenever possible, let your husband explain. I underline the next sentence. Your desire to protect him should not cause you to lie to people when they have a right to know where he is and what he is doing. I wrote on the side, we become sick. That's what happens. We become sick. That happened to me with that boyfriend I talked about last week. Is I ended up becoming a person who had to lie in order to stay. It says discuss this with him when he is sober. I above the word I underline the word sober and above that I wrote not drunk. (laughs) So I've done that and it doesn't work. Discuss with him when he is sober and in good spirits. Ask him what you should do if he places you in such a position again, but be careful not to be resentful about the last time he did so. And I wrote it on the side keep it factual. There is another paralyzing fear. You may be afraid your husband will lose his position. You are thinking of the disgrace and hard times which will befall you and the children. This experience may come to you, or you may have already had it several times. Should it happen again, regard it in a different light. And I underline the next sentence. Maybe it will prove a blessing. This is something that I try to practice when I'm struggling or when something happens that I didn't plan on happening or when something goes away that I didn't want it to go. And I try to say out loud and to myself, maybe this will prove a blessing. Oh, the party was canceled. We need to go here. Oh, it's a rain, rained out situation. We need to go here oh, your flight got canceled. You know, whenever something, it seemingly seems like a not good thing, maybe it'll prove a blessing. And for me, the spiritual practice is actually saying that before it proves a blessing, saying that and and acting as if that this could prove a blessing. It may convince your husband he wants to stop drinking forever. And now you know that he can stop if he will. I underline the next sentence. Time after time, this apparent calamity, so it feels like a calamity, has been a boon to us. The word boon is a friend that's. that a friend that specifically is there for you when you're struggling. So this apparent calamity has been a boon to us for it opened up a path which led to the discovery of God. I underlined that. And I, I wrote on the side, we don't always know what's good or bad. And I wrote the word good with quotation marks and the word bad with quotation marks around it. We don't always know what's good or bad. Sometimes losing the job and not being able to fly back to New York or drive back to New York on a train is going to be what our co-founder Bill Wilson needed to start Alcoholics Anonymous, right? So we just don't always know. Um, There's been a lot of things in my life that on the outside looked like a horrible idea and then it ended up being a gift. And one of the things that I've experienced in my sobriety is that the apparent calamities or real calamities in my life, because life is promised to be ups and downs and trials and low spots, are also the times where I get closer to God and closer to the woman I want to be, and I'm more um, authentically me and more of service. I reacted to the next paragraph, and it says, We have have elsewhere remarked how much better life is when lived on a spiritual plane. If God can solve the age-old riddle of alcoholism, he can solve your problems too. We wives found that, like everybody else, we were afflicted with pride, self-pity, Vanity, and all the things which go to make up a self centered person. And we were not above selfishness or dishonesty. As our husbands began to apply spiritual principles in their lives, we began to see the desirability of doing so too. So again, they're reminding me I can find a happy life if I apply spiritual principles in my life. And that's true across the board. At first, some of us did not believe we needed this help. We thought on the whole we were pretty good women, capable of being nicer if our husbands stopped drinking. But it was a silly idea that we were too good to need God. I underlined the next two sentences. Now we try to put spiritual principles to work in every department of our lives. When we do that, we find it solves our problems too. The ensuing lack of fear, worry, and hurt feelings is a wonderful thing. On the top of 117, I wrote life on life's terms. What I want everything to be is I want life on Carly's terms. I would like everyone to know how I think it should go. And that's not how it goes. Basically, sobriety is about getting used to the idea that it's not going to go the way that I think it should go. So it's about life on life's terms. Learn how to face life successfully. So I wrote that on the top of 117. Learn how to face life successfully. So the only way I can learn that is by facing life. We urge you to try our program, for nothing will be so helpful to your husband as the radically changed attitude toward him, I underline, which God will show you how to have. And that's a reminder that God's going to show me how to do that, so I need to ask God for help. Go along with your husband if you possibly can. If you and your husband find a solution, above a solution I wrote gone through one through nine. So let's say they've just gone through one through nine, that's the solution. For the pressing problem of drink, you are, of course, going to be very happy. I underlined, but all problems will not be solved at once. So there's a promise. <clears throat> They're going to talk about a couple of promises on this page. The, prob- the promise is that all problems are not going to be solved at once. Seed has started to sprout in a new soil, I underlined, but growth has only begun. And I wrote on the side, life. This is life. It's promised to be up and down. I can expect that things are going to be up and down and hard and fun and awesome and terrifying. In spite of your newfound happiness, I underline there will be ups and downs. I underline the next paragraph, the rest of the paragraph. Many of the old problems will still be with you. This is as it should be. I bracketed the next paragraph and I underlined the entire paragraph. In the top of the paragraph, I wrote learn through practicing 10, 11, and 12. Learn through practicing 10, 11, and 12. So I'm going to learn what they're saying in this paragraph through practicing 10, 11, and 12. The faith and sincerity of both you and your husband I underlined, will be put to the test. So the book promises me my faith, which in God, they're talking about my higher power, will be put to the test. I underlined, these workouts should be regarded as part of your education, for thus you'll be, I underlined, learning to live. They're teaching me how to live. I underlined, you will make mistakes, but if you are in earnest, they will not drag you down. Instead, you will capitalize them. So I can take where I fall down and mess up and use it to help somebody else. I underlined a better way of life will emerge when they are overcome. I wrote on the side changing liabilities, changing liabilities into equal and opposite assets. Changing liabilities into equal and opposite assets. Some of the snags you will encounter are irritation, hurt feelings and resentment. Your husband will sometimes be unreasonable and you will want to criticize. Starting from a speck on the domestic horizon, great thunderclouds of dispute may gather. These family dissensions are very dangerous, especially to your husband. Often you may carry the burden of avoiding them or keeping them under control. Never forget that resentment is a deadly hazard to an alcoholic. We do not mean that you should have to agree with your husband whenever there is an honest difference of opinion. I underline, just be careful not to disagree in a resentful or critical spirit. On the top of 118, I underlined the next sentence. You and your husband will find that you can dispose of serious problems easier than you can the trivial ones. And I wrote on the top of that, 10th step in action. So with the 10th step, I can dispose of serious problems easier than I can of little things. Here, they're about to approach us in this chapter with the hardest time to do a 10th step. So there's three times that we do a 10 step. The first time that's the easiest time to do one is after an event happened that pissed us off or or made us afraid or hurt our feelings. I send an email, I send a text, I call, I do it in person. The next easiest time, which is not as easy to do one is before we go in, we just need to remember. So before I go to so-and-so's house, I'm gonna do a, I call it a preemptive step 10. The third and hardest time to do a 10-step is in the middle of a fight. And they're going to talk about it right here. Next time you and he have a heated discussion, no matter what the subject, it should be the privilege, I underline the words, the privilege, of either to smile and say, this is getting serious. I'm sorry I got disturbed. Let's talk about it later. If your husband is trying to live on a spiritual basis, he will also be doing everything in his power to avoid disagreement or contention. And I wrote down um, what my sponsor gave me as their example. I wrote, I love you. I'm listening to you. I'm probably being selfish, but give me a few moments. So I love you. I'm listening to you. I'm probably being selfish, but give me a few moments. I've done this three times so far in my entire sobriety. Um, And what I do in the middle of the argument, and I hear myself getting argue is I stop and I say, and I actually do like the T, like like players doing timeout for a timeout. And I go, I need to do a ten step. And my spot, my spon- my partner does ten steps also, so he knows and he probably can tell that I need to do one. So he's never fought me and been like, no, I don't want you to do a ten step. It says, your husband knows, I underline, he owes you more than sobriety. And I put a star next to that to remind myself that there's so much more than sobriety here. He wants to make good, yet you must not expect too much. His ways of thinking and doing are habits of years. I underline the next one, two, three sentences. Patience, tolerance, understanding, and love are the watchwords. Show him these things in yourself and they will be reflected back to you from him. Live and let live is the rule. If you both show a willingness to remedy your own defects There will be little need to criticize each other We women carry with us a picture of the ideal man The sort of chap we would like our husbands to be It is the most natural thing in the world Once his liquor problem is solved To feel that he will now measure up to that cherished vision The chances are he will not For like yourself He is just beginning his development And it says I the words Be patient We're going to stop right there. I know we're so close to being done. Next week, we'll finish the last three pages, and we'll get into the family after, which is a really heavy and important chapter. I hope you found as many tools and identification as I did, and I hope you have an amazing week. It's totally up to you.